cool when your kids can learn from other sources. It's wonderful when they can learn in children's ministry. It's wonderful when they can hear the word of God sung and preached. But they need to hear from you. What do these stones mean to you? And you need to be able to look back and see the faithfulness of God. Sometimes you think, they've heard my story a million times. Everybody knows. I don't want to go over it again, how, how the Lord rescued me, how he delivered me. I, that's an old story. They don't want to hear it. They need to hear it. They need to hear where God brought you from because it's a demonstration of the faithfulness of God. And that faithfulness of God is going to carry them to the future. There's a cemetery in Arkansas where my dad is, remains, my dad's body remains are buried. My dad's with the Lord. But where his physical remains are buried in Texarkana, Arkansas, in East Memorial Gardens, under a big oak tree, there's a grave. And it has a stone on it. And we questioned, we asked, should we do anything? Because dad always said to us, if I, if I ever die before you guys, put me in a garbage bag and put me on the curb because I'm not there. <laughs> we knew that that would get us in big trouble with the health code and all that. That was not going to be a pleasant thing for any of us. So we said, ha, 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 we'll do something different. And we did. But we asked, should we, should we have a tombstone? What should we do? Like, Dad always made a big deal, a huge deal. They're not there. It's just a body. Don't worry about it. But when we were discussing it, I remember we, we talked about it, and I said, it matters to me for this very reason, reading from this verse, that there be a memorial so that someday I can bring my son. And he says, what does this stone mean? And I can tell them of the faithfulness of God. And on that stone, it says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through signs and wonders, this is a quotation from from the New Testament, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through signs and wonders, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on there, there's pictures of different moments in the life. There's a teepee, there's there's deer, there's, there's a little church, there's a lake, there's mountains, all the things my dad loved. Someday, now we, Moses has been there, but he hasn't asked any real deep questions yet. <laughs> Someday he's going to ask me, what does this mean? Yeah. And I'm not going to tell him, well, this is where, this is where your grandpa is, because your grandpa's not here. Your grandpa's with Jesus. That's right. But I'm going to get to tell him, this is what this stone means. Yeah. Let me tell you about a life that relied on the faithfulness of God. Why is that important? Because someday they're going to need to rely on that same faithfulness. And they're going to look back and they're going to be able to hold on to the fact that if, it, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. Right. If they made it through, I can make it through. If the Lord was faithful to them, he's faithful to me. Is it any coincidence that God called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He didn't just say, I'm the God of Abraham. He didn't just say, I'm the God who's been from the beginning. To the Israelites, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. I've been faithful from generation to generation to generation. I'm the God of family. I'm the God who didn't just start with one guy and leave him alone. I've stayed faithful to you all these years. And even in the new covenant, when Peter stood up and gave that great sermon, he said, the promise is for you and for your kids too, and for their children. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Kids, how many children's ministry kids we got in the crowd today? How many of you are normally in children's church right now? Boom, 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 boom. Okay. All right, all right. Okay, all right, let me show of hands. From the kids in the audience, how many of you are familiar with Joshua? You know who Joshua is? What did Joshua do? Can somebody tell me? Hunter, what did Joshua do? 
Well, he did a lot of stuff. It's fair enough. Something about walls. Do you remember that? What did he do there? Remember what happened at Jericho? Yeah, they came down. He's doing the motion. You might not see it, but he's doing the motion. That's exactly what happened. Boy, I know what it's like when, when you're sitting on the front row and you regret it. <laughs> We're familiar with Joshua, the battle of Jericho. We're familiar with Joshua bringing the Israelites into the promised land. But it's important to remember Joshua, where he came from. And uh, Joshua being thrown into something he might not have thought he was prepared for. We, uh, we're familiar, most of us, who, if you've been a believer for a while, you're familiar with Joshua chapter 1, where the Lord says to Joshua, I've, I'm calling you, and, and Moses, my servant, is dead. You lead the people into the promised land. And uh, there's one phrase in particular that's said more than once. Can anybody tell me what that is that God says to Joshua? It's a real key phrase. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. I used to have a Joshua Nintendo game. You know, I was one of those kids that had Christian Nintendo games. <laughs> you know, they, had the, they were colored differently, and I don't think they were officially licensed by Nintendo. But, <laughs> but I'd bring my unbelieving friends over to play Joshua, and there was Bible trivia, and I'd whoop them every time. <laughs> So they'd ask, can we just play Super Mario Brothers? I'd say, one more time with Joshua. Now tell me, who are the lion Gibeonites? So I don't know. But I remember they were in, that, in that strange old video game voice, you'd hear the, strong and courageous, Joshua, you know, right at the beginning of each level. And uh, we often think of that Joshua 1 where the Lord says, be strong and courageous. Those are the two things he was going to need more than anything. But he doesn't just say, be strong and courageous. He says, be strong and courageous for I'm with you. Wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever I tell you to do, you'll do. Same, he says the same thing to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, you know, Jeremiah said, I can't do what you've called me to do. I'm just a youth. God says to him, don't ever call yourself a youth again. Because wherever, you, wherever I tell you to go, that's where you'll go. Whatever I tell you to say, that's what you'll say. And my words I've put in your mouth. And don't worry, I watch over my words. And I make sure they come to pass. So you don't need to worry about making it happen. I'll make it happen. When we read that in Joshua 1, we think, oh, isn't that wonderful how God said that to him? But we don't, sometimes we forget. That wasn't the first time Joshua heard that. That wasn't the first time Joshua heard that phrase by any stretch. I want to read you something in the scripture. The first time Joshua is mentioned is at a battle. The Amalekites have come down further south than they've probably ever come before because they know the Israelites are vulnerable. They know this tribe has come. They might know they came from Egypt. They might just not know where they're coming from at all, but they knew they were vulnerable. They were pretty much defenseless. The Israelites came out of Egypt laden with silver and gold, but the Bible says nothing about a bunch of weapons. Even if they'd come out with weapons, they may have, they would probably not be trained to use those weapons. They'd been slaves. So the Amalekites see them and know they're vulnerable and we can beat them. This is the famous story where Joshua was told to lead the armies of Israel. Joshua might have been the one that was most qualified to lead armies, but I don't think it was just his military competence 
that was at stake here, that, that was needed here. I think Joshua proved himself over and over again as a man after God's heart. Remember when Moses would go and meet with God in the tent of meeting. And he meet with God and it says God would speak with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And it says Moses would leave and Joshua would stay in the tent. Just stay in the presence of God. This is the kind of guy you want to lead your armies. Moses said, as long as I, he said, I will stand on the top of this mountain and I will hold up my, my staff. And as long as I hold up my staff, you will prevail. We know the Israelites were less qualified militarily because as soon as Moses' arms went down, they'd start to lose. They were no match for the Amalekites. But the Amalekites are no match for God's people. And as Moses interceded for them and Aaron and Hur came and held up his hands, Joshua led the people to victory. And in that very chapter, in chapter 17, did I even tell you what book we're reading from? It's not important. Exodus now. In Exodus 17, after Joshua won this battle and Moses interceded for the people in verse 14, this is in fact the first time we see Joshua mentioned. This is the first mention of Joshua in the scripture. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial. It's interesting, this is a bit of an inception moment. <laughs> the book we're reading is the book that the Lord told him to write. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. These books were all written by Moses. And this is the moment where the Lord told him, write this down in a book. Write this down. Tell this story. He says, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua. Who is supposed to write it down? Moses. So Joshua was not his scribe. He wasn't dictating it to Joshua, so Joshua would write it down. Moses was the one that was supposed to write it down. But he says, recite it to Joshua. Literally in the Hebrew, it says, put it in his ears. One translation says, and make sure Joshua hears this. That's interesting, isn't it? Surely this book would be for everybody. Before this book gets published... Before Moses makes it available to everybody else, he is supposed to put it in the ears of Joshua. Let Joshua hear what, you're, what the Lord has done. It says, write it as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. I don't think this was the first or last. Or sorry, I do believe it's the first. I don't believe this is the last time that Moses recited this to Joshua or recited something that he wrote down from Joshua. It was important that Joshua remember what the Lord had done and what the Lord was going to do. Then later on, and I'm just going to skip ahead. Later on, Moses is told that he's not going to enter the promised land, that he's, he's made a few mistakes and he's not able to enter. I mean, even if he hadn't made some mistakes, guy's old. He's had a full life. You know, he was really old when this whole thing started. He didn't just get old. He was really old. But he's told because of his disobedience, because he lost his temper, because some of the things that he had done, he wasn't going to be able to enter into the promised land. And the Lord says this in Deuteronomy 1. And I just want to read you something. If you, if you don't have time to, to turn there, that's okay. But in Deuteronomy 1.38. Actually, let's, let's read before that so you can get some context. Moses is telling the people about this. 
And he says in verse 34, Then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot, because he's followed the Lord fully. He says, The Lord was angry with me also on your account, saying, Not even you shall enter there. But in verse 38, he says, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. Do you hear that? Joshua is going to see land that you've never seen or never will see. Joshua's going to walk in the places you only glimpse from a distance. And you don't know what Joshua's going to encounter. Moses didn't know what armies Joshua would face. Moses didn't know every city Joshua would have to conquer. Moses didn't know every challenge that would arise. Moses didn't know how AI would, would sin against God and cause, cause that rebellion, the punishment for rebellion to come on the whole camp. Moses didn't know this stuff. Moses didn't know what Joshua would face. But here's what Moses did know. He knew what God had done, and he knew how to encourage Joshua. You got to be honest. We look, at, we look at the news right now, and the world's messed up. We know that. We know that stuff's going on that we think, sometimes we think, it, it seems silly that we're bringing kids into this world. But it's not silly. The darker it gets, the more they need light. You and the kids that God has given you are for signs and wonders. Now, like I said, you might not have kids anymore. Your kids might be grown. Or you may never have kids, never plan to have kids, and that's all right. But there are going to be people that God brings across your path. There is going to be a generation that needs to hear your voice. And here's what they need to hear. Encourage them because they're going to be the ones that inherit some things that you've never seen. Joshua may be the next leader. And we have this idea sometimes as, sometimes as young people. We have an idea that I'm going to lead and I'm going to do it my way. And you've got no clue of what I'm facing. So you just need to quiet down because we're going to do it our way. Because this is what this generation needs. But scripturally, no generation has been separated from another generation. Scripturally, sons need fathers. Daughters need mothers. Scripturally, we stand together. The Lord said, one of the last things he says in the Old Testament and one of the first things he says in the New Testament is I am reuniting the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Encourage them. For they're going into the land that you've only dreamed about. Encourage them. They're going to need this strength. You might not know it, but when Joshua heard those words from God, be strong and very courageous. Like I said, it wasn't the first time he'd heard it. He'd heard it more than once. In fact, let's bring it up here. He says later on in, in Deuteronomy in verse 30, chapter 31, Moses speaks to all the people at this point. He says in 31 verse 5, The Lord will deliver them up before you, and you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I've commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua, and he said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to the fathers to give them. 
and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. If you went back to Joshua chapter 1 or went ahead to Joshua chapter 1, these are almost the exact same thoughts that God speaks to Joshua when he's on his own. See, when God was speaking to Joshua, this wasn't the first time that Joshua was hearing these things. This was a confirmation of what he'd already heard. Sometimes the first voice, the first time they're going to hear God's voice, these kids, the first time they hear God's voice is going to be through you. Now, God can speak to little children. He can speak to babies. He can speak to toddlers. He can speak to whoever he wants. But he's put you in a position where he's asked you. Remember in Psalm, he said, you tell your kids. He said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna utter dark sayings of old, which our fathers taught us. You ever considered? Sometimes we just say, hey, you know what? Grow up. Put your big boy pants on. Let the Lord encourage you. But sometimes we need to know somebody else has been encouraging us. And when we can't hear the, when we can't really <laughs> imagine the places that God's going to take us, sometimes it takes somebody who's already seen into that land to tell us, you can do it. Sometimes it's going to take you doing it publicly. It's a, it's a mistake, dads. Fathers, it's a mistake for us to just criticize your kids in public and praise them in private. It's a mistake for you to save all of your encouragement for private times. That's when most of it's going to happen. But you know, it was important for Moses to bring, his, bring Joshua in front of the people and encourage him in front of everybody else so they knew what the Lord was saying to him. It's interesting, after God said to, after Moses died and God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, then Joshua stood in front of the Israelites. He said, will you guys go with me? And they said, we'll go with you. And everywhere we go, God will be with us. And they said to Joshua, the whole crowd said back to Joshua, only be strong and very courageous. How did they know to say that? Because that's what Moses had said to Joshua in front of everybody. So what they knew was, if God said through Moses to Joshua, be strong and courageous, then that's what we're going to say back to him. I've never seen a generation that needs to hear more than ever, be strong and of great courage. We've got a culture which is turning its back on the very things it was founded upon, which is turning to a twisted state where good is bad and bad is good, and darkness is, is, is praised as light, and light is cursed as darkness. And never has it been more needed that these upside-down kids be placed in an upside-down world and really be found that they're right-side-up. They seem upside down to everybody else, don't they? We all seem upside down to the world because the world is upside down. But we serve a kingdom that you can't see. We serve a king which is above all the other kings of the world. We serve a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And the gospel is so good and it's so broad and so wonderful that it's for everybody if they'll receive it and believe it. And these kids have the gospel from a very young age. They know Jesus died for me. And he rose again, and he lives in me, and I have his spirit. Can you imagine? Is there anything they, they have to be afraid of if they've got the very spirit of God living inside of them? Is there anything they have to fear? Is there anybody they have to fear? When you look at the book of Acts, and you see these men and women of God face certain death, face imprisonment, and they do it with smiles on their faces because they know if God is with me, 
If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is our helper, what can man do to me? We've been placed, it's Philippians again, I'll quote it again. It says in Philippians, we've been placed in a twisted and perverted world in which we shine as stars in the universe. Do you know what's beautiful about that? I know we often teach and we often talk to one another about how we're not the light, Jesus is the light, we're the reflectors. I get that, and there's some truth in that. But you've got to remember that Jesus went around saying, I'm the light of the world, and then he said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Ephesians 5 says, you are light. Therefore, walk as children of light. So we're not simply reflectors. We've got the light inside of us. We've got Jesus himself in us. And the Bible says that that light is the life of men. Every time that light shines, remember Jesus said, let your light shine. He says, don't be afraid. For, he says, put the light. I'm going to put the light on the lampstand because nobody takes a light and hides it. They put it on a lampstand so it gives light to all who are in the house. Lloyd Minster is our house. Your job's your house. Your, their school is their house. Wherever they go, that's the house that needs light. You see, if he was talking about the houses in the house of God, the house of God, we already have a, we're a bunch of lights. So your light is not to give light to all these other believers, although it does. Your light is to give light to people that have never seen light before. That's right. Don't know what light looks like. When great darkness, as the scripture said, in great, where there was great darkness, in the land of great darkness, there dawned a great light. That light's never left our world. Sometimes we can be depressed or anxious about the world that our kids are growing up in. We can look over and what's happening in the Middle East right now and be afraid. We can look at what, what's going on even, even with natural weather conditions and things that are happening all around us and be afraid. We can watch the government and the economy crumble in different ways and be afraid. But fear is not of God. Do not fear or be dismayed, for God goes with you. Can we be honest and just say, we have no clue what our kids are going to have to face. But what we do know is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has been faithful before, and he's been faithful now, and he'll be faithful then. It's okay to admit to your kids, I don't know what you're facing. Your, your world is different than mine was, but God is the same. His power is the same. His love is the same. His spirit's just as rich in you as it was in me. It's okay to say there's stuff going on in your school that we didn't even think about. I mean, things you might, I, some of you might think back and think, you know, when we were going to school, metal detectors was like the last thing you'd need. I mean, there weren't, I mean, kids, maybe, maybe a kid lighting a cigarette on school property, but the kind of drugs that are going around the schools now, that, that, that can sound frightening. And you might have to say to your kid, I got no clue what you're facing, and it freaks me out a little bit. Probably shouldn't say it freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> Be strong and courageous. But you speak to him. Be strong and of great courage. For the Lord goes with you wherever you go. Don't fear or be dismayed, for he's with you. 
You don't have to know what they're facing to know that God is going to go with them everywhere they're going. You don't have to know the answers to all their problems to know that Jesus is the core of all the answers. You don't have to figure out everything they're going through to be able to be led by the Spirit and to prophesy into their life what they need to hear at the right time. Stop disqualifying yourself because your experience disqualifies you. You see, the problem is we've got people who grew up in a rough life that don't want to talk about it because they're ashamed of it. And we've got people that grew up in a peaceful, good life and don't want to talk about it because they figure they got nothing to offer because we didn't go through what you went through. But we need to throw away that for a moment and realize there's been a common thread in our past. There's a common thread in our present. And that is God, the Redeemer, has plucked us out of the fire and plucked us out of the pit and put us on a rock. And he'll do it again. He's the Redeemer. He's the Deliverer. He's the Healer. He's the Sanctifier. He's everything we need. And no matter what you came from, God has delivered you and he will yet deliver you. You tell your kids, be strong. You tell them, be of good courage. And you tell them that the Lord will never leave them or forsake them. What do you have to be afraid of? There's nothing to be afraid of. We need to stop being afraid of the future. And we need to start. You know, the people of God in the scripture, they smiled at the future. They laughed at the future. It says of that woman of God... As King Lemuel, as his mama, sat him down and said, this is the kind of woman you need to marry someday. She sat him down. And what we know now is that Proverbs 31 woman was this mom telling this son, let me tell you what kind of woman you need to look for. One of the evidences of that godly woman was she smiles, she laughs at the things to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household. All of these things, but she smiles at the future. Sometimes we look at the future and say, how could I smile? The world is so messed up. Stop looking at the world and start looking at God. Somebody said something real smart, real wise. When, I was, uh, when we were in, in Texarkana at a conference recently, He said, we need to have a Bible-sized God and a Bible-sized devil. And a Bible-sized God is very big, and a Bible-sized devil is pretty puny. We need to let our theology rest on that. We have a Bible-sized God, and he's big, and he's mighty. The next generation needs to be encouraged. And they're going to be encouraged by your stories of God's faithfulness to the past, and your assurance of God's faithfulness in the future. We look back and we see his faithfulness. We look ahead and we know he'll do it again. Your stories matter. And maybe you think you're washed up. Maybe you think you're too old and nobody cares. Maybe you think you got nothing to offer. You know, the stories that they told their kids, the things that God brought them through were not the exact same circumstances that their kids were going to face. Do you know their kids never had to, you know... The kids of Joshua, Joshua the, the kids that went with Joshua, the, the people that went with Joshua, their children never had to cross the Jordan again. They never had to cross the Jordan as off on dry land again. They never had to watch Jericho crumble again. They didn't have the same circumstances, but they had the same God. Yeah. 
And so it wasn't just, you don't say, well, this isn't the same situation. And uh, my kids, they're dealing with stuff I never even dreamed of. And uh, my stories are good, but they're different. You know what? They still need to hear them. Tell your stories. Tell of the faithfulness of God. You get them by the collar and you say, be strong and courageous. Because I don't know where you're going and I don't know what you're going to have to face. And I don't know who's going to stand against you. And I don't know what they're going to teach you in school. And I don't know what you're going to, but I'm going to tell you this. Everywhere you go, he goes with you. Don't be afraid, for he's with you. And those kids go into the schools, those kids go into their 4-H competitions, those kids go into whatever, and they go with their shoulders back and their heads high, and they know, I know my parents don't exactly, I'm going to go tell them what's going on. You don't want your kids to not tell you that. But they're going to go into it saying, I've never heard of somebody encountering what I'm encountering right now. But I've heard of millions of times. I've heard of so many different times where my parents faced something or this lady in church faced something or that guy faced something and God came through for them. And if that's the same God I serve and the same God I read about in the Bible, what do I have to be afraid of? Amen? Amen. There may be moments in your kid's life where the Lord says to them, be strong and courageous. But it's very likely that the first time they hear it will be through your voice. Don't hide it from them. Don't think I'm not a preacher. What do I have to say? Don't think I'm not a speaker. God puts you in a position in that household. And friends, those of you that aren't parents, be bold, be strong, and know that even if you don't have kids or even if your kids are grown and moved away, there's a generation that needs to hear your stories. Hey, we've lapsed on the testimony side, guys. A few months ago, there was testimonies every week. Sister Natalie's over there just waiting for you to sign up. But we need to hear your stories. Not because they magnify you. We need to hear stories that lift Jesus up. He's been faithful and he will be again. Amen. Stand with